Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance, Carol. How you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It's June 6th. 1998. It is. Carol. Yes. Do you have parents? Uh, well, I currently only have one, but yeah. No, uh, I wasn't trying to uh, bring up painful memories. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> well, statistically, your parents aren't using TV content ratings, Carol, because nobody does. Okay. Is anybody paying attention to the TV ratings? It almost took an act of Congress to get those boxes with the tiny letters TV, PG, TV, 14, and the like to appear every half hour or so in the top left corner of your screen. Remember? Remember we talked about this like um, yes. a year ago or something? Yes, like that? I do remember. In the 16 months since they were instituted, the TV ratings have had no measurable effect on parents <laughs> and only added clutter to the screen, yeah. say critics of the system. A new report released last week with the blessings of Vice President Al Gore, Albert Gorson, <laughs> appears to give the rating system a boost. But some of its findings also underscore the biggest problem with TV ratings. Most parents aren't passionate about using them. The report showed results of a survey of 1,358 parents conducted last month for the Kaiser Family Foundation of Menlo Park, California. The report said that 90% of parents surveyed think ratings and program advisors are a good idea, and half say they've used them. <laughs> but less than a third of parents say they use those ratings often, and 18% didn't even know they existed. Wow. Moreover, although 65% of the parents surveyed said they would use the V-chip if it came installed on their TV set, only 29% actually planned to get a V-chip device in the next two years. I believe we talked about that, too, the new the, the V-chip thing. I, I, I don't know what the fuck that is. So it's, uh, maybe we didn't then. It's the proposal, so it's like a chip that you can put in your TV or they might build them onto TVs that has like a parental control setting thing. So you can, under the settings of the TV, you can actually program it to be like, hey, you need a password or something like that to access anything that's like above TV PG. Okay. Or something like that. So it's like, uh, it's a little device to make a show, un to make a TV show unwatchable if it, you know, if your kids, so your kids can just. So it's like on scrambled it. Skinamax. Essentially, yes. On regular television, correct. So that you can't, so that your kids can't watch Ally McBeal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Like, I, what do you think about the TV rating system? It's been out for a while. It seems, I don't know, pretty much useless. Yeah, it seems pretty stupid. I mean, the thing is, is like. You are either an engaged parent that knows what your kids are watching and, you know, knows what the shows are about that they're watching so that you can make a decision, whether an informed decision, whether or not it's okay for them to watch them, or you don't really pay attention and care, you know? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think they're assuming there's some middle ground out there, but... But I don't really think there is. I, to me, we don't have kids, obviously, 
because uh, we're young or a different age. But um, I think that the important thing is to teach your kids your values and then be confident that they'll make the right choices when it comes to what, what they watch. And sure. Because um, I'm sure we always, you know, used our parents' values in our decision-making when we were young uh, or, or a different, different age. You know, teach your children well. Uh-huh. You know that song? Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of things that kids probably shouldn't watch, <laughs> there's a new television program uh, on the Home Box Office <laughs> channel. Otherwise, is that what that stands for? Yeah, HBO stands for Home Box Office. So isn't it supposed to just show movies then? That's originally what it did was show movies. But they're coming out with a show. Yeah, they've had a couple television shows on the Home Box Office. Uh, It's called Sex and the City. Much like Caroline in the City, I believe the city is New York City. Interesting. So, sex and the city rides all the tides of romance. When you're young, but past your 20s. When you're beautiful, (laughs) but no one would mistake you for a model. When you move with assurance in the toniest circles. But you're no longer sure that being fabulous is worth the bother. Well, love can get confusing. What, the toniest circles? What does that mean? I don't know. That's weird. It also gets hilarious, as Sex in the City demonstrates. It's like the riddle of the Sphinx, says Carrie. Your knowing, sassy guide. Why are there so many great unmarried women and no great unmarried men? Huh. Is that true? I don't. I don't know. Are there a lot? Of, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm uh, not. I'm not. Um a single woman in New York City, so I can't really speak to the accuracy of their portrayal. This and many other hot-button issues are tapped in the 12-part adult comedy. Oh, they're only going to do 12 episodes, I guess. Mm. Which HBO, Home Box Office, previews at 9.45 p.m. tonight uh, with the first two half hours then launches as a weekly series at 9 p.m. Sunday. Oh, okay, so they're going to do... I don't understand this. Well, it sounds like 9 p.m. Sunday is where they're going to end up, but I'm not quite sure where they're starting from. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, we're familiar with her, stars as Carrie, a newspaper columnist who, with wry wit and an occasional tumble, investigates romance in a city where beauty is fleeting, but a rent-controlled apartment overlooking the park is forever. (laughs) Sex in the City was born in the pages of the New York Observer, a zesty, often uh, acerbic Manhattan Weekly. Observer columnist Candace Bushnell inspired the character Carrie. Uh, HBO's resulting comedy of Manners retains Bushnell's arch attitude as Carrie, the self-described sexual anthropologist, goes about her research. Sources include her three girlfriends, all in their 30s, and playing or plying the scene, single scene, Charlotte, played by uh, Kristen Davis, is an art dealer and Smith graduate who still believes in love, all the more so if performed on Egyptian cotton sheets. <laughs> Miranda Cynthia Nixon is a corporate lawyer who insists all men are scum, 
while she waits for the exception who proves the rule. And Samantha, Kim Cattrall, love Kim Cattrall, is a liberated public relations exec who's been there, done that, and usually more than once. If these women are wonderfully larger than life, the loyal opposition is downright archetypal. Meet the toxic bachelor, the modelizer, a hybrid form of womanizer, artist guy, and of course carries on-again, off-again fixation businessman, Mr. Big, played by former Law & Order star Chris Noth. Interesting. The men are basically playing the woman's parts for once, says Parker, with delight. They are objectified, and let me tell you, it's so much fun. <laughs> so, interesting. Sex and the city. I, I definitely want to check it out. Sounds good. Would I mean, you? Oh, yeah. Okay. We can. It made me laugh hearing about it. So. We can We could check it out. We could watch it. We could watch the premiere. And come back and tell you all about it. Yeah. That is what we do. That's the case. We watch the things and then we come back and tell you all about it. And this week, Carol. Yes. Carrie. We no. watched. <laughs> we, no, no. <laughs> we watched a thing. And that thing was Jim Carrey. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about how there was a girl with the same last name as me named Carrie? No. When I was in high school and middle school and that I got her report cards in the mail. Oh, my and goodness. people thought I was her and our lockers were right next to each other and it was really weird. Wow. So don't call me Carrie. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> little trauma. little trauma. It was because, you know, the, the article we just read, the girl's name was Carrie. I, I understand. Sorry, the woman's name was Carrie. Okay. Candace Bushnell. <laughs> That Bushnell, that was right, right? Anyway, we watched The True Man Show. Yes. Very good show. Very good movie, I mean. Yeah. Which is surprising because, you know, generally speaking, I hate Jim Carrey. Probably a good show, too, I guess. A lot <laughs> of people were watching it. That is true. Do you think if The True Man Show existed in in our world, in I real life? I didn't get it till you said it like that. Do you? It is the true man show. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, do you uh, do you think that you would watch? I mean, I I feel like you'd kind of have to. Right. Since I mean, the entire world's watching. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it seems very um, voyeuristic and wrong. Seems kind of boring to me, to be honest with you. I mean, the movie makes it interesting, and I guess the the period of time that we're dropped into in his life is an interesting time right because he's figuring out all this is a fucking lie yeah but his life seemed very boring you're right that's what i'm saying like this is so we're watching the life of a guy that's married to someone you know meryl meryl yeah that was the that was her character's name yeah uh but yeah we're, we're we're watching someone's married to like an ordinary person with an ordinary life, you don't even get to see the sex, as one man laments. Yeah. <laughs> you just cut away to curtains blowing or whatever. Like it's And the, they play music. Like it's the thirties. <laughs> uh But I mean it would be horrible because he no. doesn't he doesn't know he's being filmed. Yeah, I agree. Well the whole thing's horrible. I mean that's the that's part of the the moral conundrum of this movie. Right. But so he's married to like just an ordinary person, seems to have like an ordinary marriage. He sells insurance. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have an interesting job. Yeah. Well, how did they manufacture that? How did they go? This is the thing to have him do. 
that's going to be great for television. Right. Serious. I never thought about that. But seriously, they couldn't have steered him to like police work or firefighter. Right. Ambulance driver. Something interesting. Yeah. But no, it sells insurance. And it's just like the whole thing. I feel like it would be boring and mundane. Well, yeah, he's bored. But I mean, like, I mean, you can tell, like, he's very bored. So in case you're not aware, and you should, I, I think both, I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I say both of us are going to recommend this movie. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Uh, so if you don't know about this movie, I'd go watch it, then come back and listen to the tapes. But if you don't know what the movie is about, essentially, from birth, this dude, Kristoff, played by Ed Harris. hmm uh, engineered or came up with the idea for this show. Hey, what if we took a person and unbeknownst to them, their entire life was a was a, a fiction, was a TV show, and everyone around them also in on it. It seems like it would almost be easier if everyone was unaware. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, how could they do that? They need yeah. to have them come in. There's no control. Yeah, there'd be no control over it, and. And I think the more people that didn't know about it, the more people would start to question. I think it would unravel probably faster. True. Because people would be like, what the fuck? Like, we can't. That's too many personalities to control. Too many variables. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's kind of crazy it took him that long, too, to figure it out. But he had nothing to compare it to. Exactly. But so the idea is they, they a corporation adopts a child, which is, seems weird to me. But, yeah, I don't think that would ever really uh, happen. Adopts a child at birth and films his entire life. They construct a dome behind the Hollywood sign, like a geodesic dome. And inside they build an entire town. Not just a replica, but they literally build... An entire town surrounded by water, supposed to be some kind of island, so that he can't get out and go see the world or whatever. Uh, And they employ all these extras. Here's the thing that stretches my... And I'm only thinking of it now. That's how good this movie is. Is this seems like such a giant plot hole now that I'm thinking about it. But it didn't occur to me until we started talking about it. What what TV station greenlit this project? Mm. Do you know how much money you would have to spend? I mean, forget Waterworld, the that Kevin Costner flop. Right. I think they spent like a hundred million dollars on it. Titanic. I want to say they spent like a hundred or hundred and fifty million dollars on it. Now they got lucky. Well, I mean, they did good. Job. Yeah, it was a good. Movie. They did a good job too. But that that movie's made like almost a billion dollars now. Uh, I mean, like, insane amount of money. Mm. Um, So, a good return on investment. This would have to cost, like, a half a billion dollars to do. They constructed an enormous dome in the Hollywood Hills. You know how valuable that real estate is? Right. So, they bought all that real estate. They built a dome there. That, in itself, is going to cost in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Because stadiums, uh, like sports stadiums, cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Cost like a hundred or two hundred million dollars, and this project would be uh, bigger than that. But just the outside, just the dome part, is probably around on par 
to the amount of work that they would put into building a stadium. Then they have to build every house, every uh, uh, every building, every office building, all that stuff. They have to do all the landscaping. They have to put the. They have to bring the water in. All that. Then they have to pay lighting people, camera people, engineers, uh, all these extras. They gotta pay. I mean, this it, a TV show like Friends, mm-hmm. right? Cost in the neighborhood of uh, like. I don't know, like five to seven million dollars per episode. Wow, to produce, and that's one of the and a lot of that's the the um, the stars' salaries. Right now, they don't have to pay as much in, for star salaries for this, but um, that's about that's a high that's a that's a show that costs a lot of money, but it makes a ton in, in ad revenue, so it's worth it to them. This show would cost probably ten times that an episode. Maybe more. Like, you know, you're talking, how much money does it take to run a town every day? Well, I have, I mean, a question. You mentioned episode, and, and, and at one point, Ed Harris says the episode where you lost your first tooth. But if they have it rolling all the time, what do they talk about episode? I guess each day is an episode. I don't know. That's weird. And, and like... At one point, uh, he's sitting there imagining something, and they go to like a shimmery <laughs> flashback, so they have that stuff ready to go. I right, guess like right. cuts of the show. It, it's so, but like and they have a best of tape. This, yeah, exactly. This movie or this TV show would cost a lot of money to produce. Let's say it was like five, even like five million dollars, or even say a million dollars. I think that's low. A million dollars a day. That's $365 million every year that this show would cost to produce. And I think that's low. It has to make that every year. Well, yeah. I mean, like he mentioned that it was equivalent to running a small country. I agree. The budget. So yeah, where does the money come from? I mean, they do some ad revenue for they sure. Do, they, the, as they said in the movie, all of it because it's commercial free. But they, but they are constantly doing the ad placement. product placements, yeah, right? So, I mean, I don't know how much they get paid for product placement. It seems like doing product placement advertising. I mean, I don't know that I'd ever see that as like a giant income source in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being like, you know, somebody like like they have in the show. Somebody's like, oh, hey, I got this. This is the greatest uh, fucking uh, uh, coffee in the world from the hills of Nicaragua or whatever. Right. Um, I don't see that anyone ever making a living doing something like that. Um, but even beside that. Let's say that paid a decent amount every day. Like this show is on every day. Part of the appeal for and part of the reason why episodic television makes money in advertising is because of the rarity of it. It's on once a week at like 24, 24 episodes or, right. or, or whatever a year. Right. So there's only so much people will stand. Day after day after day of this, people would get bored. Well, I mean, yes and no, because he's always changing, because we all are always changing. 
Um, I mean, we we can say his adult life seems boring, mm-hmm. but some of these people have been watching since he was born. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, would you get bored watching somebody grow up and you can tune in when you feel like it and you're not going to worry about, oh, missing anything like you, it's just yeah. constantly going. No, I understand what you're saying there, but it just it seems like some episodes would be or some days would be much higher view sure. than others. So how can they justify whatever they're charging for for ad revenue for th- that stuff? Yeah. And the other thing is um my my main point was, what like NBC would never greenlight this? Right. Oh, this is my idea. Oh, that's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars. We have no idea if that's going to work. Yeah. Because think about a TV show. There's the real world. Mm-hmm. There's that show, and I guess this would be similar, most closely related to that show, right? To right. The real world. Uh, but this guy doesn't know what's going on. It would be like that, but MTV saying. Uh, so we're going to spend $5 million an episode on this, and it's going to run every single day. So, you know, we're talking in the neighborhood of what? It, what's that? That's over a billion dollars a year. Wow. I mean, no, no company would say, let's go. Yeah. Here's the money to produce all this stuff, because the startup cost would be so enormous. I wonder though, did they start out with everything? I, I doubt it. Like when it was first, when he was first born, you didn't need to worry about if he saw the camera. Like remember, they had one in his uh, crib. Yeah, and they had one in utero too. Ugh, that's so creepy. So I guess, I guess that's true. Maybe they started out in like one room. Yeah, he said they started with one camera. Yeah, and they expanded. So probably as he was growing, yeah, the scene in the town and you know all that stuff. Okay, and all also. Right. They don't have the whole town fully built. As we see, when he goes into that one building, he wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And he goes into the elevator, and it's open, and there's, like, what uh, what do they call it? Food services? It's craft, craft service. Services? Yeah. yeah. Hanging out behind the elevator? Like, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So some of those buildings, at least, are are shells or mock-ups or whatever. But now that we spent forever on my, my one problem with this <laughs> with this movie... Um, let's talk about what we liked. Is there anything you didn't like? Um, Meryl. <laughs> I yeah. just, I just hated like Laura Linney, the character. I didn't like the way she played it. What have we seen her in recently? I feel like I've seen her in something. We've recently. seen her in something recently and I can't remember what it is, but she's, she's a movie actress. I mean, yeah. she's a working actress. She's been around. And normally I don't, I don't hate her, but she's annoying. Like I just want to punch her the whole movie. But, I think that shows that she's a good actress, though, because yeah. this character is supposed to annoy you. Yeah. But what amazed me was Jim Carrey, because I generally have hated him in the past, because mm-hmm. he's always so over the top and unbelievable. He did a really good job. And he's he was the perfect person for this, I think. Yeah. Because normally... His over-the-top acting style is annoying when he's trying to be, like, I'm trying to be the funniest in the world, right? Right. That's usually annoying. When he's doing it while he's alone in, you know, in the bathroom and stuff, looking at that mirror or whatever, um, when he's when he's discovering things and he's starting to freak out, yeah. <laughs> all of that works really well. 
for the situation because a lot of us are wacky and over the top when we're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's freaking out, it, it all of it works. And it's juxtaposed beautifully by the restraint that he plays the rest of it. Mm-hmm. One of the best scenes is when his childhood best friend, who's known him since he was seven, is talking to him about his theory that, like, everybody's in on something and, like, it's a big conspiracy and, and all this other stuff and everything. And he's like, you know, well, I, would you think I'd lie to you? Because I'd have to be in on it. And we hear that Ed Harris is feeding him these lines through, like, an earpiece and Ugh, everything. That just made me ill. And Jim Carrey's face, he's saying nothing. He's just looking at mm-hmm. him. And all the emotion on his face, he sells it really well. When he's not trying to get a laugh out of somebody, he's actually a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. But yes, he was very good. And he, like I said, he played it beautifully restrained in most of the 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 scenes until the script called for him to start fucking freaking out <laughs> and then he goes a little over the top and it but it works for the situation and what did you think about the fact that like this poor dude his he wants to be an explorer yeah and and yet somehow ends up being a life insurance salesman like that's so much manipulation because he's right everyone in his world is in on it right so mm-hmm. everyone's manipulating him all the time. Yeah, he does a book report and says he wants to be an explorer. And the uh, the the teacher's response is, well, too late. It's all been discovered. She points to the fucking mm-hmm. map and it's like, that's it. We've done it. Yeah, you were born too late. Sorry. Yeah. He, he wants to go to Fiji, be, you know, because he falls in love with uh, uh, Natasha something, the British ac- actress that's in this movie. Um, a- a- or he wants to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they traumatize him. This is, this is so upsetting. By fake killing his father. And in a situation where he's holding on to him, trying to save him from drowning. And they make it seem like it's his fault. Yeah. I mean, this is serious psychological trauma that you're inflicting on a child. Like, I, I feel like Child Protective Services. <laughs> Yeah. Would stop this entire thing. Right? I totally agree. Like, I mean, obviously this wouldn't happen in real life. There's no way you like people could do this without consent. But um yeah, and I mean at this point he's an adult. This is essentially kidnapping. It doesn't matter if they legally adopted him, he's an adult now. He has no freedom, he's a slave. Yeah. Yeah. They won't let him leave. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. So uh we don't get one thing that I will say that I wish we got a little bit more of that we don't get is it seems like because we get a valuable perspective of seeing the people watching the show. Mm -hmm. So we get a glimpse of the real world and how the real world's reacting to the show. Right. Obviously there's a lot of fans of the show. It seems like there is also a group that protests the show and thinks that what they're doing to Truman is wrong. I I wish we got to see a little more of that. I get I, I like not a lot more, but just a little bit more. Like I wish we got like 
a scene of them marching outside of of mm. the studio or around the dome or something like that. Just a little bit more of like, hey, this is kind of a divisive issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a question. The mm-hmm. actress that he falls for, yeah. that they then drag away saying she's going to Fiji and she's schizophrenic. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she was obviously morally opposed to what was going on. Do you think she was part of that group? I think she was part of that group after she was on the show. Okay. I think she was in high school or whatever on the show. She got an opportunity or whatever, and she was like, okay, I'll be on the show. And then as she got to know him, she was like, this is wrong what they're doing to him. And she wanted to tell him. She tried to tell him. They got her out of there, kicked her off the show and whatever. And I think she probably, maybe if she even started the group, who knows? Right. But, like, I think she joined them afterwards. Because we see her a little bit in her apartment, and it's she's got, like, uh, stuff on her walls. It's, like, free Truman and, and all this stuff. And, I mean, I guess we're supposed to believe that at the end, once he finds out and he leaves and she goes running out her door, that they're going to end up together. Like, we have no idea where she is. And, like, we don't really know what's happening when he walks out that door. I also, I I, I, I applaud, and it was a great feel-good moment for his decision to leave and to go into the real world and everything. Mm-hmm. But I am afraid what is going to happen to him in the real world. Oh, yeah, because everybody knows everything about him. And, and, and he how how insane would that be? Every stranger you run into on the street knows your whole life story. There's so many factors here. Because in a way, too, it's like letting <clears throat> a lion out of the zoo just loose in the jungle. Yeah. He has no skills to navigate this world because he lived in an artificial world with no muggers. No crime of any kind. Didn't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? Um, he, in a lot of ways, in both dress, appearance, attitudes, this seemed very, like, early 1960s-esque. Yeah. His gar- little gardening outfit with the hat and the little shorts and stuff <laughs> like that is, like, straight out of, like, a Bing Crosby 1958 collection, <laughs> right? Right. So, like... The sensibilities of the real world are very different. Right. Uh, so he's un, he's unprepared to deal with them. As you said, he is an international celebrity that everyone knows. He carries with him the kind of fame that even the most famous, like the very, very rarest of people, like a Muhammad Ali. Right. You know what I mean? Like carries with them that and he'll have no privacy. Paparazzi will hound him and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Was his high school like a accredited high school? Did he go to college? Was that an accredited college or just something they made up? Does he have any like does he have any credentials to actually get a real job in the real world? Hmm. You know, like there are so many factors where I'm really afraid. Is he entitled to can he sue? Oh, I would is, hope so. Is he entitled to royalties and to this is his life? His intellectual property. Is he entitled to royalties from this show? Is he entitled to back pay from this show? I I think that he would absolutely have a legal claim. So it's like, money-wise, maybe he doesn't have much to worry about, but it's going to be a prolonged legal battle. I would would almost love to see a Truman Show (laughs) 2 tackle these questions. Like, be it just a completely different kind of movie. 
but tackle these questions because there's a lot of fascinating things here. Um, and like I feel like the girl might like help him. Like if they do get to, you know, yes. she'll, she would help guide him. At least sure. she would have somebody out there on his side, right? But we're also going on the fact that of like they they knew each other for like a day. Yeah, and he, so, and he loves her now. Yeah, I mean, like he's obsessed with her. He thinks she's beautiful, but like when they actually know each other, it might not work out. Who knows? Exactly. Um, and he's married. Was that a legal marriage? Oh, that's a good question. She she left. They separated. But are they still legally married? Were they ever legally legally married? It's it's so messed up. He and, certainly could get an annulment because this is right. absolutely false pretenses. But like her and his friend and his mom, his core people. I mean, they for sure live there all the time, which is fucked up. Yeah. But like, what about the extras? I wonder if they come and go, and how do they manage that? Yeah, how, where where are they going to go? They yeah. got to go back. They've been in there for thirty years. <laughs> They're just going to go back to their regular lives. I mean, and Meryl's like, oh, you know, I, I I don't. It's a noble thing to you know whatever. It's not fucking noble. No, it's but, evil. Yeah, but like, yeah, like she's got to go back out there and live life too. So I think there are a lot of themes in this movie. I like the idea of the the unchainability of the human spirit. They set out to have a person that was going to be content staying their entire lives in this little town and everything. And, you know, you can't control a person. He grew up wanting to have this desire to explore, have this desire to get out, to move on. It's very indicative of the human spirit's. You know, it's the reason people went to the moon. It's the reason people explored because human beings in general have this drive to expand. Yeah. Um, And they couldn't control that. And that led to his eventual discovery, even though the entire world was, you know, his world was conspiring against him to hide this fact from him. So crazy. Um, So that's one of the themes that I think is very interesting. Uh, to to explore the other idea of like what is a life and what what is a life's value like he makes this Ed Harris makes this this plea to him that the world he's created for him is far better than the real world basically saying television the mm-hmm. television world the world depicted in our TV sets. Is better than our world, and that's why we watch it, you know, and, and all that stuff. I don't think that's really the case. I think that, I think that people watch TV for human connection. It's part of our innate need to connect with human beings. That's why I think that deep down, every story that's written, whether it's a horror movie, whether it's comedy, whether it's a drama, TV show, whatever, is a, a human story. What we connect to is the the writing of the characters and, and their ability to express a truth or a perspective on the world that makes us think and draws us into that character. I think acting, writing, directing, I think all those things fit in tandem to tell that story. The story is almost incidental. I think what makes this, this movie, uh, resonate with us Mm -hmm. is the personhood of of truman burbank yeah 
a true man at Burbank, like Burbank, California, where all the TV shows and stuff are filmed. Right, okay. Um, but, like, you know, him, that character, the way Jim Carrey played it, the way it's written, the way it was directed, that's what connects us to the story. And then the, the larger story is is interesting on an intellectual level, and it brings up a lot of intellectual questions, but what connects us emotionally to that story is the person. Yeah. Uh, I feel like people might, on a smaller scale, do this themselves, though, one day. Like, or some really? people do a little. Like, like I mean, you're talking about the real world, right? Yeah. But, I mean, like, there are also people who have webcams. I mean, generally, they're used for dirty things. But, sure. I mean, like, imagine somebody just sets up webcams in their house. And lets people watch them. I mean, I bet you. Oh, interesting. I bet you somebody has or will do it. That's that's an interesting idea. I would think it would be more entertaining, though, if the person was doing something. Yeah. Like you said, the dirty things, you know, <laughs> obviously that would be uh, that would be popular, I'm sure. But um, like just interesting things or whatever. Like, I don't know. I could see that, though, if like someone was lonely like, I'm going to tune in and watch this person eating or playing. Yeah, well, I eat. Or, yeah, or playing cards or, like, they're talking to me about whatever, you know. Let me explain my favorite parts of history to you, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's an interesting idea, Carol. I mean, they said people would put the show on when they were sleeping at night, and I'm sure he's just sleeping, right? So yeah. it's just to feel like they're not alone or whatever. That's an interesting idea, Carol. Huh. Maybe we should do it. I don't know if I want people in our <laughs> lives like that. We already let we already let our glorious fans in here. Yeah, we already share uh, our heads. Yeah. Don't need to share our bodies. Or our holes. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, like, I mean it's it's a it's probably the best movie I've seen this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is a fantastic movie and I I want it's, to see it again. It's really really good. Yeah, so definitely go out and see it if you haven't. Yeah, but that is the show for the week. Carol, tell the people where they can see our webcam. <laughs> you can write us at latefee1994awl.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website, uh, Sans Webcam, at www.retrolatefee.com. Yep. And share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.